Welcome to Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. There's no BS, no fluff, there's zero guru talk, just real real estate flipping knowledge. Here's your host, Greg Simpson. What is up, Alliance? Welcome to the show today. We have one phenomenal guest for you on the podcast today. My guest today is Rafael Vargas. He's up in the Washington, D.C. area, and this dude is crushing that market up there. This guy is doing big deal after big deal after big deal. So we're very lucky. He took some time out of his schedule for this interview today. So, Rafael, how you doing, man? Oh, phenomenal, sir. A little bit cold over here, but, yeah. you know, we're, we're living. <laughs> All right, Rafael, so fill in any missing pieces of that intro. Where are you actually from? Are, are you married? you got any kids? Anything like that? Tell us, tell us a little bit about your personal life. Yeah, sure. You know, my name is Rafael Vargas. Um, I'm over here in Washington, D.C. Specifically, our office is in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, I'm 25 years old. I was grown. I, I just turned 25 in September. Um, I was born and raised in Northern Virginia, which is pretty much right outside of D.C. Uh, my first office officially was in the D.C. proper area, and then we moved back out to Northern Virginia for tax purposes. We got a bigger office, hired some more people. Um, not married. I have a uh, um, uh, um, um, sister that's older than me, and she's in. Uh, she's kind of like a, a PH. Our PA uh, for a doctor, physician's assistant, a brother who is also older than me, and he is uh, developmentally delayed and autistic. And so, um, you know, that my family has been a huge motivation to get to where really I am today. Um, so, yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah, that's one big thing we talk about a lot on the show, the why. A lot of times it's going to come down to family, yeah, whether it's your immediate family, your, your, your wife, your husband, um, whatever, your kids. Kids are a big driving force. Tell us a little bit how you got started in real estate and how long you've been doing it, Rafael. Sure. Um, I got started in real estate when I was <clears throat> 21 years old. So I've been doing this for about four years. 2021. I don't remember the exact date. I know the exact date I opened up my LLC was uh, in 2013, um, although um, I was still working in real estate prior to that time. So I got introduced to real estate through, um, honestly, I was working a job, a dead-end job. I was making $13 an hour. I thought that was good money. And, um, and yeah, as a, uh, as a marketing, uh, marketing and sales assistant for a dental office, and so I was basically closing their accounts, closing, um, closing, um, you know, customers that would go in there that need, you know, dental care and following up with people, setting appointments for, you know, dental care, things like that. And I've been in sales and marketing my entire life. Communications and sales has been a huge part of my success now in real estate and in my vast knowledge of it, NLP and, you know, just communication and sales in general, negotiations. So uh, I had a huge background in that. I got introduced to it while I was working a job. One of the uh, patients actually went in there and said, hey, uh, I'm doing this thing. He sounded like a hot shot. And I was just I was just in a terrible place in my life at that time. I was, um, you know, working this dead end job. And, you know, just uh, my mother was in financially not that great of a location and, and just place position. My brother, like I said, is mentally disabled. So I just 
saw it as a really big opportunity when he told me about real estate as a place to get myself to financial freedom and, uh, you know, obviously make more income to support my family. My father's not in the picture right now, and so he wasn't back then either. So it's just um, just a really a way to support my mother, my immediate family, my mother and brother in the situations that we were going through. So uh, I found it as a, situ- uh, um, uh, a huge, huge uh, opportunity. So he introduced me to it. He made me pay him pretty much my entire net worth, where at the time it was about you know three, $3,500, $4,000. I paid him my entire net worth, um, and uh, he pretty much robbed me. He took all my money. Really? And um, yeah, yeah, he robbed me completely. And um, he didn't teach me anything. And it sucked. But he planted the seed in me, which is teaching me, you know, at least about the concept. And once I learned about the concept, I just dug into it. I quit my job and I just dug into it full time. Um, and you know, now I'm here today and it took me about eight months, eight and a half months to close my very first deal. Um, but you quit after I quit my job, it took me about seven months after you quit. Wow. Eight months is a long time without a paycheck, huh? How scary was that? It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible, especially with the things that I was going through in the bills. I had to sell out a lot of equipment. I was a big music producer back then, and I sold pretty much all of my assets to just stay afloat, everything I had pretty much. Um, but during that time frame, I was probably one of the I, – I, I used to not go to sleep nights, and I used to read a lot of books. I never knew reading books was so key to me my success, but I was pretty much doing absolutely everything to make this happen. And I was fully focused on this. And every night, if I even slept that night, but by the time I hit the bed going to sleep, I always wanted to tell myself, there's no man or woman on this earth that worked harder, more productive than I did today. So I would use literally every second of my day extremely productively during that eight month period. And and then when, uh, that eight month period, uh, you know, finally I closed my first deal. That's kind of when the ball started rolling and uh, used that money to reinvest and reinvest and reinvest. And, you know, now we're here today. Awesome. That's a great story, man. Thank you. It took eight months to get your first deal. Tell us a little bit about that first deal and how did you find that deal? Sure. Um, I always, always want to give big credit to uh, my guy, Brad Chandler, who is the CEO of Express Homebuyers. Big shout out to Brad Chandler. Still friends with him as of to to this day. Express Homebuyers is one of the largest... uh, home buying groups in the uh, in the East Coast, pretty much. They're buying about 30 homes a month doing, uh, you know, renovations, anywhere between 50 to 75 renovations at a time. Wow. And, uh, and, and in this market, that's not, that's not easy. <laughs> this is a very competitive market. And on top of that, price points are ridiculously high. So to be able to do that amount of volume is very impressive. They built an amazing, amazing lead flow system, amazing customer service system. So essentially, when I first got in, the first thing I, I learned was, okay, I need to get with the best people. And so I met with some of the best realtors, the best investors, the best developers, started meeting with the best of the best, and Brad Chandler was one of them. And he said, hey, you know, uh, this." he kind of gave me some guidance, words of wisdom, and he gave me a list. He gave me a list. He was like, look, these are crappy leads. You know, if you can do something with it, then cool. You know, here you go. And so uh, he gave me a list, and uh, I just started going crazy calling this entire list because I had phone numbers. 
And uh, uh, that's kind of when I found a niche in actually doing a lot of cold calling to homeowners. But um, so so pretty much I called this list that he gave me, found this deal. And this guy was very motivated. He needed to sell his. It's funny. The first deal I did was actually a development type of, of deal. He wanted to sell the property for one point one million in D.C. I secured the contract for one point one million. And then I resold the contract to one of my great developer friends who's actually um, – I'm still friends with him today, but he's, he's very close with Richard Branson. He's on climate control for the United States. His name is uh, Mr. Katak. Um, but I sold the deal to him for $1.13 million and I made $30,000 with the partner. That actually ended up robbing me as well. But that's, that's a whole other story. So we, we made 30, 30 grand on that deal. That was my first deal, and I made uh, half of that 15000 So Wow, that's freaking awesome. Not bad for your feel, first deal, huh? Yeah, man. So is that your niche, or are you doing something completely different nowadays, Rafael? I'm sure I know the answer to that, but our listeners want, would like to know. Well, uh, niche as far as mar- what kind of marketing we do to homeowners. Well, homeowners, or what kind of deal do you typically do? I, I know you're doing big commercial stuff like those development deals. Would you say that's your niche, or would you say traditional wholesaling model is your niche? You know what? The, both. You know, both is really our niche. We we like we love the single family houses, and we definitely you know uh, we definitely still focus on those. Those are kind of the lead generation, the the consistent kind of flows that we do. But at the same time, we do market to more of the opportunities that have for development in D.C. Um, that we can start targeting towards. Um, for example, one of our acquisition managers yesterday, he just went on an appointment, secured a contract. We should be um, we should be making uh, $100,000 $100, on that one deal itself as a wholesale. Um, so that those are just the um, – so it's both, to answer your question. Yes, it's both. Alliance, I hope you picked up on the thing that Rafael said just a little bit ago where he said he aligned himself with some of the biggest players in his market and learned from them. That's what drives our business is having those strategic alliances, and that's why you're listening because you're a part of our alliance. So that's why we bring guests like Rafael to just bring awesome information to you, awesome content. So, Rafael, what would you say is was the turning point in your business? What kind of catapulted you to where you are now? That's a great question. <clears throat> That's a phenomenal question. Um, catapulted me from the beginning, I would say, is my honest relationship with God. I feel like that was my biggest motivation and my clarity on where I need to be going in my direction, my why, my purpose. Catapulted me from doing, obviously, the first deal to building an actual business was the book Traction. Traction is one of the most phenomenal books I've ever read when it comes to business building. Um, They have something called the EOS system, which is the entrepreneurial operating system. And it basically teaches you how to build a systematic business, how to build a business with accountabilities, how to put people in the right seats, how to give them accountabilities, how to build process maps, how to build processes in your uh, your business, how to track your business, how to keep scorecards, how to have weekly meetings, very timely weekly meetings, how to have quarterly meetings, yearly meetings, um, and how to actually project your numbers the proper way. That book was one of the biggest biggest ahas I've ever had in my life. And that was thanks to my uh, good friend and one of my mentors. His name is Mark Evans, DM. Okay. Uh, he, he's, he's out of Ohio. So that was a great, great, um, 
Yeah, that was a great tool. Yeah, I plan on having Mark on the show later on. I, I haven't read that book yet. Awesome. It, it's definitely on my to-do list for early 2017. I, I literally have it sitting on my desk. I will definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. Alliance, we we will have that book in our resources tab, and we'll also have it on the description link. Uh, and so you can go buy that on Amazon right now. Uh, when you're searching for it, just go to that page, uh, and we'll have it there for you. So, Rafael, can you tell us a, a time you were going through a really rough patch where maybe you weren't getting some deals coming in or whatever that rough patch might have been? And, and what was the one thing that you you did to get out of that rut? Mm. <clears throat> that's a that's a great question as well. Um, so in the beginning, in the beginning, before I ever did a deal, I, that was the biggest rough patch for me. And then I'll talk about that. And then because I know a lot of your your people in the alliance are um, are probably in the stages where they haven't done their first deal. So I'll talk about when you did, when you haven't done your deal, and then when you have done your deals and what barriers we've had. So. When I haven't done my deal, it was just literally finding, prioritizing your action. Action produces results. And so prioritizing your actions is very key. So what action will you do today that will make the biggest impact for you tomorrow, essentially? And so what is the one thing that you can be doing that will massively catapult you more than the other things? And so for me, it was cold calling because I was like, look. If I can call homeowners and I can massively call these homeowners and call every single homeowner in the entire you know, block or area where my buyers are, whatever it is, if I can call them, then I can be successful. So I'm going to just start calling these homeowners. So I started calling homeowners. And like I said, that was one of the biggest things that catapulted me, not just calling homeowners, because a lot of people call homeowners and they give up and they stop having success. A lot of you realtors will call, cold call, not get any listings and give up or not do it. But me, I'd wake up at eight o'clock and I would not stop. I would not stop till eight o'clock at night. And I used to fast. So I wouldn't even waste time on eating at all while I was, (laughs) I promise this is real. And, and, and this is really real. And I used to stay up days, so that would be my time to call from 8 to 8, and then I would, um, at nighttime, would just be, you know, indulging. I used to do intermittent fasting, so I would eat for, you know, a two-, three-hour window, massive amounts, and then I would just indulge in reading all night. And then nighttime, I, you know, I would, I would write postcards as well. And like I said, a lot of nights I wouldn't sleep. I'd go two, three days sometimes without sleeping. And so literally, like I said, it's it's – you have to put in more effort than the next man. You have to go harder than the next man, the next woman. You have to, when you lay your head at rest, when you finally rest, you have to be comfortable saying that no one worked as productive as I did this entire day, this entire two days, three days, whatever it is. And so um, I pushed myself to astronomical limits as far as my productivity. So that really helped me. And a book that will help you guys is the one thing that will definitely, definitely, you know, create a, a clarity as to what specific things you need to be doing to make massive impacts in your business. So that was me um, when I didn't have deals. <laughs> now, now that we have deals flowing, um, one of the massive, massive things that we had was that were uh, that was that was um, our big barriers were people. So when you start having successes and you want that consistency in business, you have to realize that the people are everything. When you want to start outsourcing things, 
Your people are everything. And so putting the right people in the right seats is the most important thing that you can do. And putting the wrong, wrong people in the wrong seats is a very detrimental thing to your business. And so you think that outsource a lot of, well, this is what I thought was when, as soon as I outsourced, boom, you know, I make a hundred calls, we're going to get two deals. And that's what I expect from my people. And I was, I was so wrong and right. <laughs> it cost us a lot of money because our people are employees. They're under salaries. Some of them are making anywhere between 35,000, 40,000, 50,000 a year, just on salaries, not including commissions and bonuses. So because of that, you know, I, it, it cost us a lot of money and it costs us a lot of money, not just in that, but also in the fact that we would be losing deals. And so training and people, um, the right people and training and leadership is some of the most important things in your business. And like I said, and, and in my opinion, leadership is, is probably the most important thing. Um, as I develop as a leader consistently, consistently by reading books, you know, I, I try to strive for two to three books a week. I, I, you know, I have a very disciplined routine and my, my girlfriend will tell you, you know, my girlfriend, Greg, she would tell you how my routine is. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty crazy and disciplined, but, um, you know, just to make sure that again, it's consistent and, um, you know, my leadership is always at peak. So again, the biggest barrier was the people finding the right people. Then when you find the right people is training and retention. So, uh, once you have, you know, that in place, your goal is to hire people that are ultimately going to be better than you. And so when I hired all the wrong people, I realized that my training was all off. And so one of the biggest things that catapulted us and me specifically was I just delegated without actually being involved. I said, watch a couple videos. Here's my SOPs. Go do it. And they would do it all wrong. And so now what I did was I'm going to train you guys individually for an intensive training of four days and then you're going to go do it. And I started doing that and we've been seeing a lot more success with our individuals now. So great stuff, man. Yeah. So we do have some listeners that are not newbies. They may be looking to take their business to the next level. How did you find those people? Like, uh, what was the best recruiting tool you did or what was the one thing you did that you were able to help yourself find better talent? Uh, now that you say you train them better, where did you get those employees from or those acquisitions people from or any of those people from? Sure. Uh, great question. <clears throat> and to be quite honest, um, 90 percent, 80, 80% of them are personal um, individuals. Those are the best, best, best people that you can hire. So personal relationships, uh, wow. a friend that knows a friend or a friend or a potential acquaintance or somebody that you ran into, just just personal relationships are where you truly will succeed and find the best, most reliable people that will drive your business forward and be a part of it to take it to the next level. Um, but as far as tools and recruiting, before I even want to go into that, really the most important thing, which is something, again, that catapulted my business was understanding the importance of business culture. A uh, book like Good to Great is a phenomenal book in understanding why a business can go from good to great and why culture of a business actually is one of the most important things to why businesses go from good to great is because you hire people 
not because of their talent or how good you think they're going to be, but because how good of a cultural fit they're going to be. How good? Uh, how how much do they align to your core values as a business? How much do they see and embody the vision that you have? for the company, for the business, and ultimately for themselves. So that in itself is the first step before even hiring somebody. Find out what your vision is, create a vision, find out what your core values are, and create a company culture. Once you create a company culture, then find people that align with that company culture, and you'll be successful. And like I said, for me, finding the people was personal personal relationships. But another great resource that we used uh, – we're recruiters. I mean, recruiters are expensive as hell. Uh, you know, we, we just paid our recruiters 7500 just for one person. But, you know, they're, they're a great resource as well. They'll just throw a bunch of qualified people, and then it's up to you to go through them and figure out if they're now a cultural fit. Mm-hmm. You know, so recruiters, uh, ZipRecruiter was great, uh, recruiting companies. Um, and then uh, another one we used was um, – um, indeed, indeed is great too. So guys, you heard what he said. He found 80% of his people from strategic alliances. He built relationships with. They're the one that said, Hey, you need to go see this guy, Raphael. He's doing big things. You'd be a great fit for his team. Those are the alliances that you need and must go out and find to be able to grow your business. It's extremely important. That's why we call you guys the Alliance. Find that group of people that can help catapult your business. I can't stress that enough. It's funny how we get all of these guests on here, Raphael, and everybody says the same thing about how you need to have these alliances. And so we provide this stuff for our alliance because we want them to help kickstart their business so much faster than them trying to do it on their own. All right, so I'm going to get into one of my favorite questions I like to ask. Raphael, what's the craziest deal you or your team has ever done? (laughs) Oh man, um, it wasn't the most profitable deal, but it was the craziest deal for sure. Um, it was still prof- very, very profitable, but um, it is definitely the craziest deal. So we actually sued we uh, we sued a bank, and um, yeah, we sued a bank on behalf of the owner and um, the lawyer. It was funny. This happened two years ago. Me and my business partner, who's my CEO, Joe Dillon. Who, uh, who is just a phenomenal, I mean, the best partner I could ever ask for. Um, you know, I'm the visionary in the company. He's the integrator. He does things that I would never be able to do. But, but essentially, when, um, which is another key, find an integrator for your business if you want to really be successful. Find that strategic, again, alliance that's going to be the glue of the entire business uh, if you are the visionary. But anyways, <clears throat> the craziest deal, we sued a bank. This happened two years ago. And um, basically, a, a homeowner. We bought one of his properties. We made 140 grand on it. It was a great deal. It was a it was a two unit condo development, uh, I believe. We made 140 grand on that deal. And then he's like, "Yeah, I have another deal. It's a multifamily." And we we're like, "Phenomenal!" He he wanted a hundred thousand for it. And the AR, you know, for for multifamily, once it's um, uh, you put new tenants in it and you renovate it and uh, pretty much re renovate the property um it's worth about 800,000 so he wanted 100 grand but then we looked in the title work and the title work was just all crazy it was all messed up it said he didn't own the property the bank this the bank that 
we didn't want to give up on the property, so we took the title work to an attorney. The attorney said, there's some funny stuff happening in this title. He's like, if you want, I can go look into it. And we're like, cool, look into it. So we paid him like two grand. He looked into it. He said, hey, there could be some opportunity over here. But to be honest, it's super risky. You know, essentially, I have to do this, that, and the third. We have to go get into this position. We have to sue this person and figure out what's going on. He's like, and it could put you guys at a lot of liability, but obviously there's going to be a lot of rewards. So we're like, you know, me and Joe kind of looked at each other and we're, we're just like looking at the lawyer and the lawyer's like, and we're like, look, let's do it. Let's do it. And we had to pay the lawyer fees. I think it was about $45,000 in lawyer fees um, that we ended up paying and just to at the end finally say like yes you you won the uh we we sued the bank that's essentially what we did we sued this bank that essentially went under we sued the owners of the bank that went under because they illegally foreclosed on the property according to what the lawyer said okay. and uh and so we sued the bank and uh the deal ended up being a $300,000 profit deal and um and the the, the freaking lawyer looked at us like you kids have some freaking balls like what the <laughs> hell you know and uh, he looked at us like and it was just so funny but it took a year a year and a couple months to actually complete and a lot of lawyer fees so we ended up paying like I said about forty to forty five grand in lawyer fees prior to ever getting any of the money and then finally the deal closed and it was a three hundred thousand dollar profit so um, that was that was a crazy 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 deal. Um, to make money, right? Yeah, yeah, it was. It did. Yeah, but that three hundred thousand was then split. So the owner was ecstatic. We split the three hundred thousand in half. So we netted one fifty. He made. He netted one fifty, and um, and it was uh, it was extremely. Uh, it was just a super win. Yeah, it was a great win. That's awesome. That's yeah. That's a crazy deal for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. What do you think the most common mistakes newbies make is when they get the most? Account? Yeah, thinking this is easy. That's definitely the most common mistake. Thinking that one, this is really easy, and then um, two, that they're not gonna have to put in that much effort. Um, yeah, I honestly, I honestly think that's the biggest mistake. It's it, and, it, and it's all because of the gurus, you know, out there that 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 go out there and tell and tell all these newbies that you know it's so easy. You find a house, you get a contract, you sell the contract, and boom. You make 20 grand and it, it sounds easy in theory. And that's why I was so appealed to it as well, because it sounded so easy in theory, but it's, it's far from that. It, it really is far from that. And, um, and, and so I think that's the most common mistake is that they think it's easy. So they go into it, they put a little bit of effort, they see no results and they give up. And I think that's probably the most common mistake. So I would suggest, go into it like it's going to be a life-changing thing. And so you're going to put your all into it, your blood, sweat, and tears if you really want to make it work. And you can make it work. It's it's possible. I mean, the gurus aren't out there for no reason. It's 100% possible, no question. But, again, don't underestimate how difficult it is, how many competitors you have, uh, how many buyers are actually in the market. Understanding the market, I think, is also a huge, huge thing that a lot of these newbies uh, underestimate, that they don't need to know the market, that they don't need MLS access. You need to have a very strong understanding of your market and what buyers are buying for if you want to make this successful. So, yeah. I agree with you 100%. 
With TB Rhea, the local Rhea in Tampa that I own, we see that all the time. We see these people who have spent 30, 40, 50, even $50,000 plus. Uh, we had one student, uh, man, he spent a hundred grand with some guru. I won't say their name, but they spent a hundred thousand dollars and again was told it was going to be so easy. You're just going to walk out of here, essentially an expert, and you're going to start making money hand over fist. This guy didn't even do his first deal. So he came to one of our wholesale classes here in Tampa and two weeks later did two wholesale deals or something like that. And he made $15,000. He had to take action. And that's what we stress, you know, to all of our students, that's the, the knowledge only will take you so far. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to just go out there and do the grunt work that they don't tell you you have to do in those seminars. They don't tell you about the marketing or the negotiating and the systematizing of our businesses. That's the biggest flaw of the supposed big-time gurus. That's why we have our own coaching program and training program, and that's why the way they're. That's why we have our coaching program and training program, and that's the reason they're set up the way they are, so that these people get don't get taken for tens and tens of thousands of dollars to not get any real life knowledge out of that experience. Yeah. So a couple more questions before I let you go. I know you're a busy guy, so. Right now, with the influx of newbies, um, and they're all told to do direct mail, uh, I feel like direct mail is becoming extremely saturated, at least here in the Tampa Bay area. What are you seeing up there? Is it becoming saturated, and is it still working for you? Oh, it's working great for us. It's working okay. phenomenal. I, I, lo- I love direct mail, um, okay. for sure. Direct mail is some of the, for us, it's the best marketing stream for, for us right now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as ROI, it's not cold calling for us is a much higher ROI, but direct mail is just a lot less labor intensive um, and leads funnel in. And we have a very strict um, lead filtration system now that we're implementing in 2017, where our acquisition people will just be getting those interested leads. We're going to be flooding a lot of things to virtual people because we've been getting a lot of, uh, we send out almost about a hundred thousand postcards on a monthly basis. yeah, wow. yeah, in in three different markets, and it's it's really fu- it's really funny that you say that in Tampa. If you came to DC, you would be uh, you'd be shocked because we were literally just looking at the numbers yesterday at our campaigns that we've sent out. Now we're we're in three different markets. We're in Washington DC, Baltimore Metro, and now Tampa Metro. We've just expanded to Tampa, and. Um, it's funny that you say that. It's actually the Tampa uh, direct mail campaign was like more than double than what we're doing in D.C. and Baltimore as far as response rates and interested leads and actual appointments and deals. So uh, it's been it's been pretty impressive, uh, actually, to see what's been uh, going on in Tampa. So um, it, it is interesting. The unique way, I guess, that we do direct mail is just uh, we send out two different kinds of postcards. One is a very aggressive, like I wouldn't say aggressive, but more just a, 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 a touch on motivation as far as saying, you know, call us now, termination notice, big, bold words, you know, and the homeowner goes like, oh, my gosh, you know, let me call. And they call in and then, boom, you hit one of our live people and they say, hey, actually, we're sending you a postcard because 
you know, we want to make an offer on your property. If you want to be removed from the mailing campaign, you know, click one. If you want to be connected live to somebody, click two. They click two, and then boom, it goes directly to our office over here in D.C. And they they uh, they 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 uh, give them an offer or secure the contract over the phone. Um, so either that uh, is one direct mail strategy that we use. The other one is just a very clear. Postcard. We only send postcards. No more yellow letters. They're just too expensive, and we just haven't found the return um, enough, be enough for the expense. And so uh, we send out kind of yellow letter postcards, um, and those have been pretty, uh, pretty good too. So, wow, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, going to ask you one last question before I let you go. You're a book guy, and I'm a book guy. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite book? And it doesn't have to be real estate or business related, but what's your all time favorite book? And then what, what book are you currently reading, Raphael? That's such oh, a hard, huh? that's a, that's a hard question, man. No. That's a really <laughs> that's hard question. Uh, <clears throat> if you had to say what my one all time favorite book is, um, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you two, um, I'm going to give you actually I'm going to give you 3 because there's <laughs> there's one all-time favorite book and that and that's um the book that dictates my entire life that's the Bible to be quite honest and I read the Bible consistently every single day I discipline myself in the morning and nighttime to make sure to understand the values because the values in my personal life will reflect the values and the success in my business life. So for me, that's the most important book. So a lot of people aren't looking to hear that answer. So I'm going to give the answer that I would have for a book on my personal development that I used as far as for business uh, when I did not have any finances was the 50th law. And the 50th law is by Robert Greene and actually 50 Cent. And what it talks about is one law specifically that is absolutely necessary for your success as a very, very, uh, very successful entrepreneur. And that is, um, and a fearless business leader, and that's fearlessness, the law of fearlessness and understanding fearlessness is a book. It has 12 or 10 chapters and it just talks about stories of Abraham Lincoln and stories about 50 cents life and how he overcame fearlessness and and Napoleon and just amazing, amazing. The book was phenomenal. I've read it over 10 times. I'm sure I would get that. Yes. And I'll recommend this for everybody. If you guys want to start reading two to three books a week, the way that you do that is by getting audiobooks, getting physical books, listening to the audiobooks on a speed. I read it at 2.5 speed, and then I run through the audiobook and the physical book, and you will run through books, retain the knowledge with a highlighter, take the main points. You'll retain the knowledge, run through books a lot faster. So that's what I do when I read. That's but exactly for what I do. Phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a great method. So the fifth... It's a complete game changer. Um, so it, it really, really works. So I suggest that to everybody. But the 50th Law was the book that I needed for understanding what kind of character I needed to build, a, to be a fearless leader, to be a strong CEO. And that book was uh, in the beginning stages. So I definitely recommend that for never actually building a business. But then for after building a business, um, you know, traction for sure, but a more on building your character and understanding what kind of person you need to be to build a great business is good to great. I, I loved that book. That book is phenomenal. Good to great. It, it talks about what kind of person you need to be, what kind of business people you need around you to build a 
a, a great business and they, they show you real facts of other businesses that have gone from good to great, which is pretty much a linear graph of going from average to, you know, shooting straight up in comparison to all the other competitors in their industry. And so that book is just phenomenal as well. So those are the books I recommend. Great stuff, man. Rafael, I appreciate you taking time again out of your busy schedule to educate me and the Alliance on all the great stuff you had today. This is one of the best interviews we've ever had, man. So I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You've just listened to another flipping real estate like the pros podcast. You're another step closer to fulfilling your dreams as a successful real estate entrepreneur. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide into this exciting venture called real estate investing. For more information, visit our website at www.flippingrealestatelikethepros.com. Catch you on the flip side, Alliance.